Hey folks, it's Jack here. Just popping in real quick to say that a lot of the discussion in this show revolves around sexual harassment and even sexual assault, and we wanted you to be aware of that going in. Also, we recorded this weeks ago when Harvey Weinstein's trial was first starting, and it has since ended with his conviction. If you need help, the National Sexual Assault Hotline is 800-656-HOPE. Thanks. Okay, on with the show. Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who, me or you? Mm, you say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top, <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Yeah, hi everybody. It is a uh, script shop. It's it, it, Jack's here with you, by the way. This is the way the show's starting this time around, folks. <laughs> it's not a good one. <laughs> it's, it's, hold on, let me build up to it. So it's funny. It, I, I was thinking about how, in the way the intro goes, where I'm saying different wrong names of the show. Yeah. And how? Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. That. I mean, that's kind of funny. It, <laughs> thank you. It's <laughs> not know, like we both didn't. Do write you know it. what would be a good, 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 good intro? We're sidetracking already. Is if from my you plan. start talking and I, and I go. Oh my god! And you guys are like, Ugh. and I'm like, I am, and I pretend to be in labor. That would be a good intro. That, that sounds like a horrible prank to play I've on been, me. See, that's why I'm not doing it. I'm not even doing it to Philip. And I told him that I was gonna because oh he was like, you can't keep crying wolf that you're going into labor because then when you actually are, I won't believe you and we won't get to the hospital. On Hence time. the entire story of crying wolf. Yeah, but how funny would it be? Uh, not for you. It, I mean, well, All right, this is, we're getting off track. But my whole point of it is like the way the show goes, <laughs> and I'm saying the wrong names of the show, and it got me thinking. Oh, back to the good, the kind of good idea. My plan for the way I wanted to open up our Uh script shop podcast to people and the idea that sometimes titles have to change. And our guests this week, Sophia and Eric Conger, have written a script that had a different title at first. And I just like I was curious if there were any other ideas for the title of our show that you had before we settled on script Script shop. Shop. Did you guys think of anything else? Like promo promo time. Promo material. Promo material. All right, well, not but, now because I don't want to restart yeah, the show I over. I don't think there. I don't think oh, so either. No, there Did was. We? There what? was. I don't remember. Uh, maybe while this is going on, I can look up. This is I a brutal start. See if there was something in the yeah. notes. Folks, I'm sorry. Cool. This is all my fault. Hi, everybody. I'm Jack. Welcome, I'm Allison. Welcome to our podcast. Where welcome we to Script Shop. Talk to screenwriters <laughs> about their scripts. And why they wrote them and why these people are the only people in the history of all time who could have put these thoughts into words, into screenplays together. And uh, how excited we are to figure out who they are and how their work translates to the written page. It's so hard to believe we've been doing this for more than 100 episodes, folks. Uh, we are on the internet, and that means we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, you can find us, friend us, follow us on all those platforms. We would love that. We're trying to grow the show, and part of that is trying to get the word out there and spreading the message on the social media networks. That's right. And if you want to help us grow the show, you can do that by talking to your screenwriting friends. Yes, and or telling you yourself. Them, yeah, or, or you yourself, um, by telling them about this cool this cool show that just like interviews writers and wants to know everything about them and then send your work into us because we would be nothing without our great writers and our great stories. And so we always like getting new work. You can do that on filmfreeway.com slash script shop or script shop show or script shop show dot com slash 
submit. Got a lot of options there. We're also uh, on Patreon. If you're interested in maybe lo- you like the show and would maybe love to throw some money at us in terms of, that's a weird way of saying it, would you like to support the show financially because we're doing this thing and we would love to be able to do it more and better and the uh, way we would necessarily maybe need to do that is with some extra reenies and roonies. What if one an option was that they could throw money at us and we would meet them in person and they could just actually throw <laughs> Yeah, well as long as it's not change. Nickels. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> quarters at us. Rolls of quarters. Maybe just the thin coin. No nickels, but like I could probably weather a, a quarter. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'll take it. Um, today, we have a very special treat, a father-daughter writing team. We don't yet know if they're a team or if this was a one-time thing of uh, Sophia and Eric Conger, who sent us a short script called To Us. Which originally had the title of Shit Show. That's right. Which was hence my brilliant and completely sidetracked intro that I You're worked welcome. up for the show. I know. It's, it's, it's my fault, folks. I apologize. <laughs> Um, to Us is a 14-page dialogue-driven Me Too exploration between mother-daughter generations. Which the perspective on this I think is really interesting. Yes. Who it's centered around, and I'm really interested to talk to Sophia and Eric about that. And I think, Frank, we're cool to do that now, yeah? I approve. Okay, great. Ding. Frank's got us the ding. There we go. Uh, let's get uh, Sophia and Eric on the line. Hi, guys. How are you? Hey. Hello. <laughs> We're entertained already. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. sorry. (laughs) It's like the entertainment of idiots, not the entertainment of of good qualified. You're watching two people just bonk their heads into one another until they find where the staircase is to get out of the room. The funny thing is that I like it and Jack doesn't. So that's. (laughs) Thank you. We appreciate it. So, where are you guys calling us from today? Uh, New Jersey. Weehawken, New Jersey, uh, just about a mile from Midtown Manhattan. On the Golan Heights of the Palisades in New Jersey. That's so many regional words. That's so one. Okay, I dig that. Yeah, we're called the nearest faraway place because there are people <laughs> in New York who don't even know about this town, and it's visible from Manhattan. Oh my gosh, that sounds very yeah. short-sighted. That sounds very New York. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Have you guys lived in Weehawken um, for a very long time? Well, I was born and raised here. Mom and dad have lived in this house uh, for 30 years. Uh, I'm moving to Brooklyn, New York shortly. Uh, but yeah, these are these are the stomping grounds here. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been living at home with your folks for a bit? I have. I graduated from university two years ago. I've just kind of been getting my bearings together. And I've been working at a creative video agency in Midtown, Manhattan, um, which has been awesome. And I've had the opportunity to direct a few things. I'm actually flying out to Los Angeles to direct a little uh, pharmaceutical video that is external facing. So I'm very excited for that. Um, And I've been able to do a few things um, along the same lines at my job uh, that involve directing like that. So yeah, but uh, I'm time to spread to your wings and spread my wings exactly. <laughs> Leave the coop as it is. Exactly. How do you feel about that, Eric? Well, we love Sophia. It's going to be at a quiet old place around here without her. But uh, you know, staying here for uh, a year and a half after college has enabled her to save money and then spend it all in Brooklyn. So uh, <laughs> I guess it's kind of worked out. She might just find her way back home again. Yeah. Hey, saving, living at home helped me pay for this movie, I'll tell you that. Yeah, no <laughs> yeah, kidding. Sophia finances all by herself. I, I'm Man. proud to say that uh, less than a year out of college, she funded this entire short film herself using Screen Actors Guild performers. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. So, yeah. 
and 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 this was a this uh, this film the short film to us like you said it's fully produced and we had it at the Independent Film Festival this past uh, fall this past summer we were honored. It was lovely. A lovely, lovely, lovely experience. We're Thank so you. glad you guys were able to come. Yeah. we. I mean, honestly, we were very excited to have you, to meet you, to screen and celebrate your work, and then, honestly, to bring it back here yeah. and keep talking about it and dive in a little bit deeper with you about it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So, Eric, you started this as a stage play, if I'm not mistaken, or am I? No, you're not. <laughs> um, it. Uh, I belong to a, an ensemble called the Ensemble Studio Theater in New York, and we kind of cut our teeth on short plays, and we're still known for our short play festival. And uh, it's a great way. It's like etudes for writers. It's a, it's a way to see your work put on its feet really quickly. Yeah. Sometimes they're just readings. Sometimes they're productions. And it's just great training for writers. And as I transition from acting to writing, I became a member of the writer's unit at the Ensemble Studio Theater, and this was one of my first short plays. And um, it got a nice reception at the uh, two times that we did it, uh, using the same uh, actresses that you see in the film. Oh, wow, cool. that is super yeah. cool. And, but in terms of specifically of the stage show that you, it was initially uh, created, this Eric, you wrote the stage show on your own, or was Sophia part of the process there too? No, I wrote it on my own, and... Um, and she came and saw it both times, and so she she had it, uh, uh, you know, she had her head wrapped around it. Mm-hmm. By the time we decided to make a short film out of it, mm-hmm. and um, she changed it in uh, uh, some subtle, and then one not subtle way, which is the the very beginning, the opening sequence uh, that's done over Beethoven scherzo uh, of the the butt pats, the yeah. infamous butt pats, and that was uh, that was Sophie's idea to. You know, to make it more filmic and to take it out of out of the realm of just dialogue and give it a, a montage uh, with music as a kind of an intro to what is basically a dialogue driven yeah. uh, uh, 15 minutes, 12 minutes of, uh, of theater. And I think it, it kind of it softens the audience a little bit and gets them comfortable with all the talking. It's very and, funny. Uh, the, the butt pats in the beginning, I think that they're very, very funny. And they, you know, you talk about softening the audience and preparing them for what is to come. Um, it's it, it, right off the bat, it takes something that is a big topic that then, of course, you do use a lot of dialogue to. And it puts a picture to it. I think in the film, at one point, the main character's got his fingers like walking across a woman's hips to go to her butt and pat it and i just mm-hmm. am like okay uh-huh. i see who we're working with here it just right. puts it puts a picture to it really really quickly right right yeah that that worked out really really well and um you know in the use of classical music um uh sort of gave it a, a sort of a faux gravitas mm-hmm. it kind of made you listen because it's it's got such a hook to it that that piece of beethoven and it it it, uh, it starts you off with some energy, and right? It really, it really launches the the movie well, right? Which is to go back to your point. I mean, I think what this initial question was getting at is like, how do you take something that's for the stage and bring it to bring it to the screen? And and like you said, Dad, it's it's a lot of um, trying to create something visually that's very intriguing from the get go, so that we hook our audience. And that was also, you know, there's a treadmill scene where our 
the, the, the daughter, she falls off because she hears this news about her father. Um, and so that was another kind of shocking element that I added to the original stage play in order to sort of just give it this compelling element right off the bat. In the, in the stage adaption, or not the adaption, in the stage version, the initial version, how does it begin? Um, it begins... Uh, with her coming home, with with it begins as it begins in the movie, with the mother looking out the window, and fiddling with her ring, and then the doorbell rings and her daughter comes home. It mm-hmm. just it just starts right where the movie starts, yeah. pretty much. Okay. But but scenes like the treadmill scene were just described in the play, mm-hmm. but then you can actually show them in the film. You can take it out out of the uh, the realm of being talked about and actually. Right. Present it. Right. In in later on in the in the stage play, she, the daughter Grace says, "You know, I fell off the treadmill hearing about when I heard about this." But instead of having that line, well, yeah. actually, we still have the line. But in the beginning, we just show her doing it, and we don't know what's happening. We don't really know what's happening when it happens, but we at least get to like when she mentions it later, we're like, "Oh, it happened in the beginning in that first two minutes." So, yeah, that was our way of sort of providing an image instead of just speaking about it. So there's an interesting element, too, that in talking about the, the music that's playing in this opening montage of this guy uh, grabbing butt over and over again. And this is a script about a... Yeah, we should set this up for the listeners because we really jumped to, into yeah, the story. Long time, like, a distinguished newsman who's now been completely discredited because word of his extracurricular activities and sexually harassing co-workers is finally gone public and he's, he's, he's disgraced. And this is a story about the daughter of that newsman coming home after having just learned about about it and having a lengthy conversation with her mother about it. And as much as I, Sophia, I want you to be involved in the conversation, but Eric, you know, in terms of just conceptually and what your inspiration was for writing this in the initial uh, stage uh, theatrical version of it, uh, I think the perspective on this is really interesting. It's not about confronting the abuser. It's not about the, 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 the victim or the survivor dealing with things at all. It's about people that are involved in the world, but necessar- not necessarily a version of people involved in the world that you usually get to hear and I was on a conceptual level I was just curious about what your inspiration behind that take was well originally the title I was playing with was collateral damage because mm-hmm. it always fascinated me when these guys do this yeah their life is over or their their life is going to have to be reconceived and their friendships reconceived they're going to have to earn their way back into society but meanwhile what about everybody else yeah. who gets hurt by this? And people sometimes just focus on, on uh, you know, the, the 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 husband and not realizing that oftentimes there are divorces, families break up over this. There's bankruptcies involved. It just gets really, really ugly. Or not. <laughs> or, yeah. or not. Right. But I thought, you know, let's look at let's look at the people who this really, really hurts because yeah, the girls got abused, but you know they weren't. At least in our telling, they weren't they weren't raped or they were fondled, uh, you know, pretty much the way you see in the opening sequence there. But the equal amount of damage was done to the wife and the daughter. And I think sometimes people lose sight of the ripple effects Mm -hmm. of, of crimes like this. And I thought, well, let's go right to the ripples. So and if if we're ever able to expand this film. I would like to to expand on that. That's why, by the way, we took a suggestion uh, about another character. So if you want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I could talk about that. We, uh, I, I showed this to a couple of my girlfriends uh, just to get their, their take on it. 
um, because we realized we were doing something relatively, it's a controversial subject. Uh, it's a controversial opening. A lot of it's controversial, but important. Um, yeah, and challenging for sure. Girl, yeah. One of my girlfriends said, you know, this is a very white perspective. Like all of this, this is a very white problem. Um, the ripple effects are a white problem. I would love to see a third dimension in there. And so we, I crafted this character with, with my dad of Camilla, who's the housekeeper and how she views all this. Mm -hmm. And it sort of ends with her and we can circle back to that, of course. But I, I think that that was another interesting element is like, not only does this ripple effect occur within the immediate family, but like it trickles down even further to someone who works for the fam who's been working for the family for a long time. And now she's going to have to be let go because the anchorman's lost his job and, you know, it's putting them in certain financial situations, but kind of viewing this through her eyes. Yeah. And I think even the, the visual too, at the very end of Camilla has been doing the housework and working on the rugs. And I, I jotted down when I was taking notes, as I was reading this, I, I initially wrote down the, the sort of visual of the script and the film closing with Camilla working on the rugs. And I wrote down the idea of that representing life goes on, but I didn't mean it like, I feel like the phrase life goes on means you're moving past this thing. And the way this ends, it's not about moving past it. It's about, it's more about like a life continues. Like there are people that are still living in the world and in the wake of these ripples still having to try to, you know, keep their, keep their boat on the water. Absolutely. Yeah. And her boat may sink because if right. they have to sell the, the, the weekend place, the lake place, uh, you know, then she's affected and, and her family and her whole circumstances changed by what he did. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know. That just that that just uh, fascinates me. The the collateral damage of yeah. of crimes. Do you know anyone yeah. personally that this has happened to, or is it just reading you know timely news stories and recent news that makes you fantasize about this type of situation? Well, I can just say, say that we were obviously greatly inspired, if you can use that word, yeah. um, by Harvey Weinstein, uh, the cases that have been happening, that yeah. happened with Harvey Weinstein and Matt Lauer, right. uh, especially. Um, Charlie that, Rose. Charlie Rose. So, no, no one like directly connected to us, but the, just those cases in the Me Too movement in general. It's were, a conflation of, uh, you know, in our imaginations of what, what a likely scenario would be. Uh, one of the questions that I had for you in the course of this, uh, it's not even necessarily an argument, although there is arguing at times between the daughter and the mother. And, you know, on from the mother's point of view, on some level, she's maybe expressing more of an obligation to defend her husband or at least be more willing to forgive him than the daughter is. I, I'm a little bit curious about in the construction of the scenes and, and, and the dialogue specifically and, and then the interaction between the actors when you're filming this. Is it difficult? Was it difficult for you guys as, as the writers and directors to keep the wife's point of view, I suppose, uh, compelling, if that's the right word for it? And then also, if you're aware of working with the actors, was it difficult for them to bring a level of, of, of passion and honesty to the role that didn't seem contrived? Well, I'll answer yes to that because that the older actress there uh, is old school and she is of the belief that, you know, maybe uh, people go overboard sometimes with the Me Too. That's that's kind of her honest point of view. She'll be very open about it. So it wasn't hard for her to espouse that point of view. And we here in Brooklyn and New York and in the big cities and in the film industry 
uh, sometimes forget that there are apologists for these men. There are people who think these men get, um, you know, they, the hammer falls too hard on them. And I thought at least that point of view should be should be given voice to because it exists. Mm -hmm. And I got some pushback from Sophia on that. She said, Dad, you can't really have a character say this. And I said, well, it's it's out there. It really is. Trust me on that. And I think it's worked out pretty well because it's it's a generational thing, mostly. Um, but I my worry was and. I think Sophia's was too, was that the mother not win the argument mm -hmm. in the end. I wanted to put the thumb on the scale. We both did put the thumb on the scale toward the daughter, you know, having the higher ground here. Uh, but I thought they fought it pretty much to a draw at the end. And, and I, I don't, I don't know if we would shoot that again, or what do you think? Yeah, well, there was another thing we played with was that Joan, the mother, the the mother role, is one of the is part of a generation that is less likely to divorce, and or has been at least been raised with the idea of divorce being abhorrent, and you never divorce, and so, you know, what other alternative do you have than to accept what has happened, grieve privately, maybe, and then make do with the situation and continue loving your husband despite his faults. And that's sort of what we wanted to present, um, which is obviously foreign to me and people my age. Yeah. Um, but we had this one line at the end of it where she says, you know, in the movie, the mother says, you'll forgive him, promise me. And the daughter says, God, mom, I don't know. And then we ended, we cut this line, but the mother says, you'll forgive him. Kind of as in like, you're going to get, okay, you're going to be okay and everything's going to be okay. And we cut that line ultimately from the, the movie because it's like, well, no, not everything's going to be okay. And right. it also made it feel like we were concluding with her argument and her side. Yeah. And so that was very important for us to uh, make sure the argument was, was, you know, even keeled, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, was a, it was a fair fight. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and um, the, I kind of wanted there to be a, a, a more of a clear winner, but just because of the way the acting worked out, she's such a good actress, the older actress, it was just hard to beat her uh, with with the words that we had. And and uh, so I thought, well, maybe this is the way it's meant to be. It's it's how did how did you react to the end? Did did you well, feel that it was weighted? I actually I don't feel that it's very weighted, and I think that the the thesis that ultimately plays out is that the relationships are stronger than the ability for people to learn and change. Um, because, of course, there's a lot of learning from both women in this story and presumably uh, the father figure as well and the husband figure. But what we ultimately have is a family that is weathering the storm together. And I really like the idea, um, you know, in my own personal life, I have a lot of different political views than my family and even some really different ones than my husband. And what we do is talk about the differences and learn about each other ultimately. And that may not change us. There rarely is a winner or a loser, but there's space for everybody to say what they need to say. And so this family is learning how to just have the damn conversation, communicate about what they need out of it, and, and continue to learn with each other is what I see at the end. Right. 
Totally. Could we hire you as our critic? <laughs> <laughs> well, you could. You know what? You just share this interview everywhere you possibly can, and I think that would be pretty, 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 pretty good. Um, why don't we jump in and read yeah. a selection from the screenplay so people can can hear a little bit about what we're talking about? So, uh, listeners, if you're following along today, we have a very special treat where I'm going to be playing the character of Joan, the mother, and um, Sophia is going to be reading for Grace, the daughter. Yes, thank you, Sophia, by the way. It, it, I didn't feel comfortable putting on a, a high-pitched voice. <laughs> uh, my pleasure. We're, we're going to start in the middle of page three, go to about uh, somewhere in the middle of seven, and you're going to get a really nice taste of how these two characters interact, and then we'll continue diving in with lots of the themes of this story together. Yeah. So what what do we really need to set up here? I think we're, I mean, we're, we've more or less sort of laid it all out. The daughter is now aware of this thing that her father has done, that, is, that, that her father apparently has been doing for years, and she's going to her parents' house to confront whether her, she knows dad's home or not, I think is kind of irrelevant. She knows, hey, I got to go home and go see my folks. Dad's gone. Mom is still there. And that's that's where we're at. That it, We're catching it really early on in, in the whole conversation. Right, guys? Yeah, she's a professor of women's studies yes. at a Midwestern college. And the mother is a well-to-do, stay-at-home uh, patrician lady who probably was in the junior league when she was younger and now volunteers for certain things. And uh, this is this takes place at their uh, weekend home. Yeah. All right. So, Sophia, whenever you're ready, you take it away. Did you know that he did this stuff? Be honest. He's done it for years. He's a squeezer. Oh, my God. A hugger slash squeezer. He gets his arms around them, then grabs the butt. Usually when he's had a few. This happened in the afternoon, so he must have had a couple of martinis at lunch. Or tea martunis, as he likes to say. A squeezer. My father is a squeezer. He's not into legs or breasts. He just appreciates a good butt. He appreciated mine for years. Why didn't you tell me? That he liked my butt? That he touches women. Why didn't you tell me? I didn't think you'd want to know. Of course I would. He's my father. And... A famous person. I saw it in the gym and fell off the treadmill, almost broke my neck. Joan realizes Camilla is still standing there. Oh, Camilla, I'm sorry. She'll be in the back bedroom. Would you change the sheets and shake out the rugs? Thanks. Camilla nods and goes. Joan pours wine for her and Grace. They drink, and Joan begins to chop garlic and onions. I thought he'd stopped. For Pete's sake, he's nearly 75 years old. You saw him do it? Sometimes. When? Where? At parties, mostly. I guess he figured if people were watching, it was okay. And no one complained, until now. Did you? Please tell me you confronted him. I said, be careful, Roger. Someday you're going to squeeze the wrong ass and you'll get a drink or a fist in the face. He got much worse. You should have insisted, Mom. You should have fought. Oh, come on, Gracie. This may come as a shock to you, but that kind of thing went on all the time in our day. You saw Mad Men, and there was much more than squeezing, I can tell you that. And you just took it? All of you, you just took it? Sweetheart, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have chat rooms. Joan goes to a cabinet for a bowl. We barely had three-way calling, and we didn't work. Remember? We depended on our husbands. The last thing we wanted was to see them lose their job because a boss or a colleague got fresh. As she gets up, Joan glances at a photo of her and Roger. We handled that stuff privately. Wow. Joan goes back to the island and resumes cutting. 
The third time Skip Clark trapped me in the pantry and planted his greasy lips on me, I said, Skip, you're my husband's best friend. The next time you do that, I'm going to kick you in the nuts so hard you'll think you've died and gone to hell. And did he stop? Yes. And then he turned his attentions to Molly Bainbridge, who would never speak to a man like that. And scene. Um, I gosh, I really do love the Joan character. I really, really, really do. There's there's an interesting conflict with this Joan character, and, and getting back to the idea of trying to either come up with a compelling argument for her and, and the way the actress is, is is playing the role. Joan Joan's working on two fronts. On, on one end, she's saying that it, it's really not that bad, and there's nothing really to be that upset about. But then also talking about forgiveness has the implicit acknowledgement that something wrong has been done that, that that's 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 really loose footing to try to plant an argument on right yeah she's trying to broker uh, the peace and uh excuse him at the same time and, mm-hmm. and try to give the daughter some context uh, i don't think she succeeds in providing much context that's helpful right uh, she could say well I, I i can explain why he does this i can't excuse it i think that's the implication mm-hmm. Uh, and so she's kind of caught in the middle. Yeah. Sophia, do you feel like uh, your opinions influenced the writing for the Grace character, you know, kind of seeing it in the new age or or even turning the question for Eric? Eric, were you inspired by Sophia and people like her who just find it completely inexcusable? Yeah, well, I, I'm in the theater and, and uh, you know, that's that's uh, that's the currency now is this is a this is a very hot topic in the theater uh, you know along with diversity and and uh, uh inclusion uh but you know the rise of female voices in the theater now is uh is undeniable it's just they're they're they've just really come into their own and uh so i'm i'm kind of steeped in that milieu but sophie was a reality check for me in a, a lot of ways because the you know the younger generation has and you know and, and they they don't even understand the explanation of it forget the excuse yeah. they don't even see how this could ever have been allowed to happen so yeah that was uh, that was very useful to have her as a touchstone uh, as we navigated through this uh, this complicated emotional uh, landscape here what did it feel like for the two of you to talk about this kind of thing um i think we, I mean, we have a very open relationship, so I feel like it was, it was actually, it, it was pretty great. It worked. It was, it was very interesting because clearly, like some of these things that you have written, Dad, are partially not things that you believe, but you felt at one time. I, I, I mean, is that too far out for me to say? Well, that I witnessed or experienced. Sure. I, but I mean, even my, my mom, I, I think she feels some of the things that Joan feels, the, the mother character feels uh, from time to time. And uh, I can sort of see why she like why she would feel that way. But um, I mean, it's just, you know, going to high school in New York, going to college in New York, just being around such a liberal culture all the time. It's 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 hard for me to share those same views, but I can still like sympathize. But overall, to answer your question, it was it was a really easy and fun, interesting experience to write it, both of us side by side, because we both like to write. And, you know, we were both able to provide such different generational opinions um, about this very topic. And it was also like, you know, when I was writing with my dad, I was like, imagine something like this. I mean, it's morbid, but like, imagine something like this, you know, my dad had done 
something along the same lines and I would have, what would I do and what would I say to my mom? So uh, I was, a lot of it was putting myself in, in the situation. Yeah, Sophia, I'm curious about in, in terms of the process of adapting this and, and turning it into a film, you're, you're dealing with the, the words and the work that, you're, that your dad's already written. So knowing uh, some, just going from one medium to another, adding in those initial shots and some of the changes there visually, but in terms of just sort of content and structure and knowing what works in film versus what works better on stage and then staying true to the spirit of the work, what's that like for you adapting work like this that you've got strong opinions about already and then also dealing with familiar relations the fact that your father's the source material for this yeah that's a good question I feel like I I definitely would say I brought a good amount to the table with because I've made films before and like I work in the industry I would say in terms of just like how we shot it I made sure that the cameras I mean all the although the cameras are locked off and on tripods we're changing up the angles a lot we're keeping it you know we're giving a variety of shots to the audience but I would also say that um, we cut a lot of dialogue. <laughs> um, and it was really important for me. I said to, to dad in the beginning, I was like, this has got to be under 10 minutes or else we're, it's just, it's a lot of dialogue. And like the first thing they tell you in film school is like show don't tell, right. but, um, with the material we are working, you know, it's, it's tough to, to not have this dialogue. It's tough to show it. It is a conversational piece. And, we were just reflecting on this before. I mean, marriage story is super dialogue heavy. Yeah. Um, even 1917 is dialogue heavy. I don't think that we should stray away from that in the film industry. I just think you have to keep it visually interesting enough when you actually film it to, uh, to justify it. So, so that was interesting. It's, you know, it's, it's his baby and it was tough cutting some, some scenes out, but I think it was all, it, oh, it, was it all, all worked, good. It all yeah. worked out fine. And I, th- I think it, in a piece like this, in, in which the subject matter is relatively new to the culture, uh, you can have a little more dialogue because the arguments are kind of new and they haven't, you know, it's not like a, a, a breakup movie or a, or a, a father son movie or, you know, a kitchen sink drama. This, this is kind of new territory. So I think an audience would be a little more patient to hear it argued out in a way that they might not be for a story that isn't as as new to the conversation right. as this one. Yeah. Sophia, what uh, what what about this inspired you to to do the adaption at all? You know, why don't you start with a, a a different story, a story of your own? What was it about this one that made you want to do the screenplay and then produce it? It was 100% seeing the reaction in the room when we when the play reading happened. I mean, I got to see physical proof that people laughed at certain jokes and maybe not at others, but for the most part, they laughed at like 95% of it. And so I was like, oh, this is like, people find this funny, but people also would stay and talk to, to my dad about the play after it, the readings happened. So people clearly were passionate about it. Um, so that was just, you know, physical proof that like we, we needed to, we needed to make this into a movie. And I also felt like it could be a short film and that's sort of what I had the capability of doing at the time. So I was like, let's just make a short film. Let's make something happen. And it's relevant, you know, and it's topical. So that helped. You know, also getting back to the idea of going from a theatrical production to, to film, you talked about trying to keep some camera angles to make it visually interesting, but also, you know, things like editing and, and, and shots of like when when Joan is busy continuing working, chopping things up in, in the kitchen, which is, you know, sort of another visual metaphor for life is still continuing and I'm still going to keep making dinner, even though we're processing this wild thing that's just now going public. Things like editing is going to play another huge role in the way this story is told and the effect it's going to have 
have on the audience versus watching a couple people on stage. Oh, absolutely. And and film always allows you to do things that the constraints of the stage don't allow. And one of them was the addition of the dog. Um, the dog, we could actually, we actually hired a, dog, a trained dog. <laughs> and uh, dog is great, give great performance. But there's no way you could have that in the stage. And it, it serves as a tension breaker. It serves as a humorous moment. Well, a tension builder. Also. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, both of those. So there are just some things that there are things you can do on the stage with words that you can't do in film. And there are things that you can do in film without words that you can't do on the stage. And so we tried to find as many as many moments that we could just go without words and just show a reaction or 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 take a long, slow walk to the window in in the case of Grace. It it just allows you to uh, it it allows you to breathe in a different way than a play breathes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the the production process too, uh, Sophia. How involved were you as far as things like scouting and locations and and you guys said you hired the actors that were performing yeah. it in the stage version. Yeah, I can definitely speak to this. Um, I we hired the actors, we reached out to them, and they were super excited to do it, which was awesome. They were SAG, so Screen Actors Guild, so everyone had to be SAG in the movie, and my father's SAG actor as well, so that worked out. And, uh, yeah, so it, that was an expensive, but well worth it process. Um, we also, I wanted to have a, the crew be like 90% or more women. So there was only two men on set, um, excluding, you know, my dad who wrote it, but the, the DP was a female, um, and all like all the other roles were, were fulfilled by females. So it was, that was super cool to see, um, just like women come together and tell a story that I think we were meant to, to tell and at least work to portray. And, um, and the production, we shot it in Pennsylvania. Um, we rented out a house by the lake for the weekend. And then we shot an action another day in, uh, in New Jersey where we filmed, all the butt padding scenes in an office space. And then we also filmed in a gym. So, uh, the production, it was about four days long and four long, long days, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was an unforgettable experience. And it was a wintertime setting, uh, which served the, the film very well because it's, you know, it's a bleak subject and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's chill. There's, there's chill here in the air. And we, we were very lucky with the weather. It uh, was not blustery cold. It was sort of mild cold. So that when we did the scene by the lake, the final scene, they weren't uncomfortable. And um, we had a little adventure with a camera that uh, dysfunctioned and malfunctioned. Uh, but we that was our only uh, sort of emergency. But we hastily got a new one from New York and uh, went went on. But it, on the whole, it went pretty smoothly. And, and we had a just terrific cooperation uh, from everybody. And, and it took a long time to edit, though, didn't it? So, it took a very long time, yes. How come? Well, I was, I was the editor. I edited it. I produced, directed, wrote, and edited it. Um, I it, it just was like, well, first, the montage in the beginning was a lot of work. And then there was just a lot of takes that I was like, oh, do we use this one? Do we not? And then there was also just the matter of trimming it down. And making sure that everything was on this that was on the screen should be on the screen. And then the cell phone had to have video of yes. her getting texts, and then it had to actually have the TV screen over the 
over the running machine had to have my picture and a newscast in it. Mm-hmm. And that was all. Right. Then we had to film the new newscaster and we had to, I had to hire a compositor to go in and do the motion, no, not the motion graphics, but the VFX for, for that scene. So, um, there was a lot of like details and, and time just put into like, you know, the minutia, Careful consideration. But... Yeah. Being thorough with your work. This, this is a huge undertaking, Sophia, for you're talking about being relatively fresh out of, out college, of college and everything, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, she went to a school where they really trained her well for this. The Ithaca College uh, in uh, in Ithaca, New York, is uh, they're known for this. Uh, other programs are more theoretical in their approach to film, and you learn about the history of film a lot. But you don't actually get to make films until you're a junior or senior. These kids started making films right away, and uh, they got real familiar with the equipment, and they formed this camaraderie where they all they all serve each other on the team, you know, one time your producer, one time your director, one time, you know, your script girl, one time, you know. I will also say that just working at my job, that the one I've worked at in New York, I've met a ton of people, a ton of DPs, uh, gaffers. And so it was really easy for me to gather a team and and work with people that I trust because I had worked with them on through my job. So that was super helpful as well. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, and how have you how have you felt about the reception at film festivals? You know, of course, we got you at Sendependent, which was wonderful. But I'm assuming that you've been traveling with it to other festivals and screening it in other locations. And how how do you feel about what it's done since you released it into the wild to move into Brooklyn all by itself? You know, it's funny. Uh, so Sendependent was our first film festival, so we were super psyched about that. And yes. anyone listening obviously should submit their films to Sendependent. That's a no-brainer. No Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it, was, it was a very classy experience. <laughs> it was. It was a great experience. But aside from the plug, um, I we've been accepted to Fort Myers International Film Festival. I actually met someone at the film festival that's independent who told me I should submit there. So I did, and we got in. And then we just heard back from Garden State Film Festival, which is a film festival that's been running for 18 years. And that's exciting. But funnily enough, when we made the film, it was right at the time that you're supposed to submit to film festivals. So like around April, March or April, May is when, you know, prime time to submit or film festivals are happening. So we kind of missed that entry date. So we're now we have been submitting to festivals. We're still waiting to hear back from a ton. So we, we actually haven't heard back from very many, but it's been received pretty well. I would say that people laugh a lot. They come up and talk. They, it, it definitely stimulates dialogue, which is what we wanted at the end of the day. We want conversation and, um, we gladly accept, you know, strong opinions. (laughs) For example, we thought, um, at, at the end, you remember the mother makes a comment about lesbians? You remember yes, that? yes, 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 yes. Well, what a fun line. There was a lot of back and forth about whether that should be in there or not. And ultimately, I guess, I don't know, did I twist your arm on that one? I just felt that would be something she might say and find funny. And that will help you form your opinion about her and her point of view. And But we got we got some pushback from... Even the crew thought, really? You sure you want to say that? But how did that strike you? Let, 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 let us poll you and, and tell us if that, if that was like a, uh, an uh-oh moment for you or, or did that seem uh, consistent with her character? I think it seemed – I personally found consistency within her character with that line. And, you know, I have an affinity for uh, unapologetic 
females in general. So whether or not I agree with them, I like people who do and say things. So I've, I've, I'm kind of in support of it being in the final product itself. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I th- we've we've been met with that reaction more than than not. Um, but the D- the DP, she's she's a lesbian, and so she, you know we had a lot of conversations with her about what why we had that joke in there and um, and whether we needed to have it in there. And I was very hesitant to include it, but you know you make decisions and you execute them, and then you know it's it's tough. But um, we try. I feel like what this script for me, at least as a young filmmaker, is I'm trying to be bold in my in what I do and produce and direct, and also, um, like you said, do it unapologetically, mm-hmm. um, but also be thoughtful and mindful when you do it. Well, if somebody is interested in seeing this uh, version of the story at this point, or having a conversation with you about the different perspectives and how they've influenced their own lives, what's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you? Well, so my website is currently uh, in as a work in progress, um, but my Instagram is Sophie Conger, S O P H I E C O N G E R. Uh, I would say that's my main social media platform. I have a Facebook, which is Sophia Conger, um, but my email is sophiaconger at gmail.com. We are definitely thinking about extending this short film and making yeah. it a full length. Um, and so we, you know, are thinking about funding and all this stuff. So if anyone's intrigued or wants to get involved in the project, um, that's definitely the best way to reach me. And, and through yeah. that, you can reach me and then we'll get in contact with my dad through that. Repeat that it one. one more time. Yeah. So Sophie Conger is my email. I'm sorry, my Instagram. And there's no, it's just Sophie Conger. What just, yeah. ju- just in general, I'm curious just about in terms of broad strokes, expanding this out into something larger. I mean, I would think that would naturally mean the father character is going to have a much bigger role in the story than he does right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and even, I'm not, I don't think we'd make anything similar to the morning show, which is on, uh, Apple TV now, yeah. but it's, it goes to show you that people, that's kind of a similar idea, but it goes to show you that people want to see this kind of content and that it's important. So, uh, you know, I think that goes to show that we should make this into something bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were, before we went on air, we were discussing ways that it could go. And, and I was struck by the fact that Harvey Weinstein, who's, who's, uh, Weinstein, who's, um, trial's about to begin the, the position his lawyers I know. are taking is just infuriating. They're claiming that he's the victim of predatory women who wanted to advance their careers. Yeah. And I thought, oh, wow, really? Okay. And the writer in me goes, all right, well, that's, <laughs> yeah. th- that's juicy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have thought of that myself, but thank you, real life. Right. Uh, so maybe, maybe we could go in that direction. And much as in Mary's story, it falls into the hands of the lawyers. And lawyers complicate it and, and muddy the waters and, and roil everybody's feelings. And uh, that's, that's one way we could go with it. Take, take the father's relatively mild transgression and maybe he did a little more than that. Maybe there's one person who really has a, 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 a deeper grievance against him than getting something squeezed. Uh, that's one way we could go with this. Mm-hmm. And, and I would also explore how how the family becomes isolated in the larger world, how she's the mother is kind of maybe not welcome at church. And sure. the daughter, the daughter has to resign her. She mentions this in the movie. She has to quit having office hours and maybe has to resign her position or look for another school. And the husband himself 
no one will return his calls. Nobody wants to be seen with him, uh, except maybe maybe he has one friend, you know, who, who could have an interesting scene with one friend who who sort of thinks this is all blown out of proportion. Maybe even the husband gets disgusted by him. There's just lots of interesting twists that that could follow here. And it'd be nice to be able to explore them while this is still such a, you know, such a, a, a hot topic. Uh, well, it's still, still so relevant. And in terms of, you know, going down that rabbit hole, thank goodness you two have each other to discuss this openly, yeah. that your family has been built in such a way that you can have these challenging conversations and, um, you know, imagine about them and, and just see what's on the other side there. Absolutely. Yeah. Guys, good luck on future uh, festival events if things are just now sort of kicking into the next year's circuit. That's really cool. Best wishes to both of you. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. Really appreciate it. Thank thanks, you. guys. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks. There's uh, Sophia and Eric Conger. Yeah, cool. There was one other bit that struck me about that music part in the beginning and using something like Beethoven mm-hmm. uh, lends itself an idea of you know, classical music in general would lend itself to playing up almost the institutionalism of the fact that there's some dude with a level of authority who's grabbing butts because he can. Right. Like that, that sort of feeds into the idea of this is very much a thing and we're – the, the the daughter or whomever is reacting to stuff is saying this isn't supposed to be a thing and we don't want it to be a thing anymore. Right. Adding that music there in the beginning in the film version, I think, adds that level of institutionalism and, and fighting back against this thing that shouldn't be. I think I think you're totally on point with that. Um, and, you know, again, I'm just really impressed by their relationship. Yeah. Eric and Sophia to be able to go down this rabbit hole together and discuss it openly. That's very, very cool. Very, very nouveau. Mm. Folks, if you've gone down a rabbit hole, whether it's with your father or not, and you've uh, created uh, some kind of screenplay that you've written about a story, you should send it to us. And you can do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. That's right. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at Script Shop Show. I'm at your bestie Westie on Twitter. And on Twitter, I'm at Script Shop Jack. That's right. And you should uh, follow along for pictures of my family and then really, <laughs> really interesting things that Jack has to say. Sometimes. Don't, she, she's overplaying things. It's not that great. I ate General So's chicken flavored potato chips recently and that's maybe and <laughs> that's a highlight of my twitter account oh sounds like a good one <laughs> uh folks thanks very much for listening please spread the word uh, get on apple Podcasts and leave us a review tell a friend uh encourage a writer friend to check out the show and to submit we were we would love to be able to spread the word and uh, try to bring as many people into our world as we can that's right so until next week friends that's a wrap script shop was created by allison west Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by Bensound.com. Outro music by Purple-Planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. <laughs>